Greetings and welcome to In Tune with VHBC, a podcast about music and worship at Vestavia Hills Baptist Church. I'm Marty Watts, Minister of Music at VHBC. In today's episode, I'll share about the spiritual Were You There and talk with music ministry participant Jennifer Carter. If you haven't already done so, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you won't miss any future episodes. Now let's get in tune. Like I Want Jesus to Walk With Me, which we explored last week, The Spiritual Were You There is another example of enslaved Africans identifying with the suffering of Jesus Christ, particularly at his crucifixion. This spiritual is structured in a way that recounts the events of Good Friday with a question, Were you there when? And then describes one of the events surrounding the crucifixion. And in the middle of each stanza, There's the exclamation, oh, sometimes it causes me to tremble, 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 and then repeats the question presented earlier. The tune has a range of about an octave, except when we get to the exclamation in the middle of each stanza, and it leaps up on the word, oh. And with the exception of just one note, this tune follows the pattern of many folk tunes in the United States and around the world that use only five notes of the scale, the pentatonic scale. There are a couple of interesting features about this spiritual. This spiritual was the first African-American spiritual to be included in a major American hymnal. It was published in 1940 in the Episcopal Church's hymnal. There's also an interesting story with Howard Thurman and Mahatma Gandhi. Howard Thurman was an American pastor, author, and civil rights leader, and he shares this story in his memoir with head and heart. He says that he and his wife Sue were on a trip to India and were able to meet with Mahatma Gandhi. As the Thurmans were about to leave, Gandhi made an interesting request. He said, Will you do me a favor? Will you sing one of your songs for me? Will you sing, Were You There When They Crucified My Lord? He continued, I feel that this song gets to the root of the experience of the entire human race under the spread of the healing wings of suffering. As we walk with Jesus through this Lenten season, we know that Jesus walks with us. Today's episode concludes with an instrumental version of Were You There, with Dr. Beth McGinnis playing the flute and Dr. Gary Furr playing the guitar. If you have a hymn suggestion for a future episode of the podcast, feel free to contact me at marty at vhbc.com. I am grateful every week to be able to have conversations with folks involved with the music ministry at VHBC and then to be able to share them with people listening on the podcast. And today I'm really glad to welcome Jennifer Carter to the podcast. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you so much, Marty. Um, I have to start off this by saying that um, you are the third of three of Duncan's children's choir teachers, so I'm glad to uh, <laughs> finally uh, finally close the loop on that. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but I'm glad to say that uh, I've been able to get all three of you on now. That's right, yes. 
<laughs> well, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, what you're involved with at church? Um, we can talk about children's choir and we can talk about some of the other things that you do. Sure. Um, I have been attending the church since I moved to Birmingham in 1997. I've joined in early 2000. Um, I am currently serving on the nominating committee, so we've been pretty busy with all the the new announcements yes, um, lately. Um, I am chair this year of the new member committee, so we've not been as busy <laughs> over the last year, um, but I, I have a feeling I'll be asked to to serve again in the coming year since, um, you know, hopefully we'll be back to meeting in person and, um, you know, getting new members and all of that. So that um, is going to be fun. Um, I serve on the flower committee and have for many years and Addie does that with me. So that is a lot of fun. She's far more artistic than I am. I find a picture and feel like I have to recreate it exactly. And she you know, can just stick things willy nilly and it looks, it looks awesome. Um, so I'm glad to have her <laughs> to do that with me. Um, I'm currently attending the Wild Goose Sunday School class and I really enjoy that. And then, you know, last but not least, I teach um, children's choir and you can see me using air quotes when I say teach because I'm more of just like crowd control. I am the bouncer for, you know, the preschool sets. <laughs> the teaching is definitely done more by um, by those with with musical, you know, skills like Paul and Nicole. <laughs> well, I can I can testify from personal experience that um, the bouncer role is a vital one uh, for <laughs> for that age group. So, um, you know, it take it takes everybody to make that work. But you and Paul and Nicole are just the dream team. So thank you for. Well, it's such a, it's such a fun um, place to serve. Um, And I kind of fell into it the year that Finn was in that class. It was three and four year olds at that time. um, I was waiting to pick him up from mission friends. And I saw um, my dear friend, Elizabeth McCarty at the time, who was helping Paul then. And she looked a little dazed and confused, glassy eyed. And I'm like, are you okay? And she said, we had 17 kids. <laughs> we had 17 kids. And I'm like, oh, well, I'll come help. And so I literally just wrangled kids onto the carpet. I mean, that was that was my only role 10 years ago. And that kind of is still what I do. But, uh, <laughs> but it has been, I love that age. It's my favorite age kid. And so having that time every week, it keeps you connected with with the the new, you know, the young families at church. Um, and then I also keep that same age group during worship care. Um, so it's, I, I love it. It's, it's great. I highly recommend it to anybody who wants to plug in somewhere. Um, the, the children's music ministry is, is wonderful. Well, I, and I think I've probably told Paul and Nicole the same thing, but, um, Children, including mine, uh, absorb the material in different ways, and it probably looks sometimes like they're they're not getting it at all. And then all of a sudden, it's just like, wow, they've been uh, like a sponge this whole time, uh, picking things up here and there. And so, um, I, I will uh, say a word of thanks on behalf of Duncan's parents uh, for <laughs> for sticking with it, even though it doesn't always look like they're picking it up. <laughs> it's it's awesome, and the fact that we have them for two years because they grow and mature. I mean, so much during that time period. And so really that second year, 
I mean, the first year they come in and they they really don't even know how to like, hey, join us on join us on the carpet. Let's sit in a circle. And that's challenging. But by the, you know, by the time they're ready to go to kindergarten, they're just they've grown up so much. And it's it's just a joy to to see that and be part of that. So very cool. Well, you you have told me that, and, and based on your comments about being the bouncer in children's choir, that uh, you you don't really have any um, musical you know musical skills that you would would put out there. But how how has music played a role for you, um, you know, through growing up and now as an adult? Well, it's so funny because I've I've listened to all these podcasts and I mean the music pedigrees that people in our church have it's really impressive. So I laughed when you asked if I would if I would do this <laughs> because I can't sing. I mean maybe okay for three and four year olds, but that's that's where that ends. Or you know in the car with the radio really really loud. Um, but I love music. Um, Shane, uh, my husband, is quite musical. His whole family is. My mom is a is a good singer. Um, Addie has a lot of musical abilities, so I'm just an appreciator of music. And I really love kids music. Like when the kids were little, I am such a, to this day. I'm a huge Roger Day fan. <laughs> the last time he was at the church, I was like right up front, you know, like one of his little groupies. Um, Roger Day and Billy Jonas and um, Laurie Bertner and Trout Fish in America, just all those those children's entertainers I really love. So this this really is kind of like the one place in music ministry that I could that I could plop down. <laughs> so. um, well, you've mentioned uh, a little bit about um, your family, um, uh, you know, in different ways, but tell us a, a little bit about your family, your immediate family, and then you've got some uh, other family in our church as well. That's right. So I'm married to Shane. We've been married for 20 years. Um, he uh, works at a company called Luttrell, which is an architectural millworks company. He's been there a little over a year, and he really likes it. Um, we are the parents of two really wonderful teenagers, um, much, much better teenagers than I deserve, my mother would tell you. But uh, <laughs> Um, Addie is 16, and um, as I mentioned, she's very artistic. So when school shut down, um, you know, school simply became doing math and science and English and history, which is, she's fine. She's a great student, but what she loves about school is theater and choir and law academy. And those things didn't really translate virtually. So she was missing all of that so much and so <laughs> when I would get home in the afternoons because I Shane and I have continued to work throughout so I would get home and she would you know she was trying to teach herself embroidery and guitar and she was working on dog training and she was writing stories and doing lots of drawing and even trying to write a musical to the music of meatloaf I mean <laughs> just like <laughs> hilarious and Finn is 14, and he is not artistic in the least. Um, he does not like to even speak in public, much less, you know, be on a stage and performing. So as opposite from her as he could be, he loves sports and he loves his buddies. Um, and so he he was not nearly as affected, you know, by, by the quarantining as Addie was. He would sleep in knock out his schoolwork in an hour, get on the Xbox with his buddies. And then in the afternoons, he'd 
shoot basketball or ride his bike. And, you know, he was happy as planned. He's used this time to, to, to grow. He has really taken advantage of all the extra time to sleep and eat. And he's grown about eight inches in the last oh, year. Wow. So <laughs> it has, it has served him well, but they, they have really responded to things in a very different way, but we've, we appreciate how much time we've gotten to spend with them that really at these ages would probably not be, <laughs> not be, um, a possibility. And so we really don't take that for granted. Um, and you're right. I have a brother and sister-in-law and two nieces who joined our church, I guess, about two years ago. They also live in Hoover. Um, it's wonderful to have them um, in our church, too. I love having them as church members as well as family members. Um, I also have a sister who lives with her children in Asheville, North Carolina. I'm the oldest. Um, so she's the baby. Rand's in the middle. Our parents are still in our hometown in Georgia, um, which is actually where uh, Dr. Fur was before he came to Vestavia. So he was my preacher in high school. So we go way, way back. Yeah, um, I'm glad you. I'm glad days. you mentioned that. Um, yeah, that connection is just very cool to me. And so you joined the church, or you started coming here in '97. So that Correct. was. Uh, not too long after uh, Vicky and Gary had arrived. Yeah, he was, um, and I think he was in Blakely for seven years. So I was, he came in 87 to Blakely and I was 17. So he was there a couple of years um, when I was in high school. But my, um, one of his daughters worked at my dad's veterinary clinic in the afternoons. And then his daughter, Erin, and my sister, Casey, were the same age and they were very good friends. So um, my family knew knew them well, and so when I moved to Birmingham, my mom said, "Oh, Gary is still there. You need to find his church and go." And I said, "Yes, ma'am." And so <laughs> that was all that you know it took. There was no real search after that. But um, Shane's family, Shane grew up in Birmingham uh, in the McCalla area, and his whole family is still there. They're quite a large family. Um, we had monthly gatherings since I've known him, so for 23 years at his grandmother's house, but anywhere from 40 to 50 people. And so that has been probably the biggest change over the last year is that we've not been able to get together wow. with his grandmother and all of the aunts and uncles and cousins. We've still seen his dad and his sisters and my um, nieces and nephew, but not not the whole, the whole family. So um, we are very much looking forward to, you know, to that reunion one day. So. Yes. Yes. Well, um, in setting up this time to have a conversation, you and I talked about um, the, the time today when we could meet and you suggested that maybe you had a little bit more quiet from your office rather than <laughs> you would at home. <laughs> so I can see, we, we can see each other on Zoom and I can see that you're in your office. Tell us a little about, uh, about what you do. So I work at St. Vincent's Foundation. So um, I have been here, it'll be seven years this summer and I love it. It's a wonderful place to work. Um, it's just uh, St. Vincent's is, has been around a long time. It's very well thought of in the community and I feel really grateful to do what I do, which is to raise money for this ministry. Um, obviously the past year has been um quite an interesting year to be in healthcare. Um, but as far as, um, you know, I've always held 
nurses especially in very high regard because I know that they do a job I could never do. But um, that <laughs> that admiration has grown by leaps and bounds over the last year, and not just for nurses, for all of the support staff, the PCTs and the doctors, and they're just... Um, it's really, it's humbling. We were, um, those of us who were deemed non-essential were called in to come and backfill some support staff roles, you know, uh, unit secretary and things like that when the numbers were so, so high in um, December and January. And it was, it, it was humbling to say the least. I mean, that's like the most exhausted and just emotionally tired I've been at the end of a day and I thought they're doing this every day you know I'm just being I'm just coming in once every two weeks and and helping out and and they're they're coming back and doing this again tomorrow and the next day and the next day so um but it's a it's a great place to work and I've I've told this story before I actually um got this job thanks to members of of church um I had worked for the same company for 12 years and um, four years in our company got bought out by a sister company in Texas and they kept me on and I worked remotely. Well, Finn was a baby. Addie was two. Those were, it was a great time to, you know, to work at home and be at home. But once both kids were in school, um, you know, I was really kind of missing just the world and people. And, um, but I, you know, it was too cush of a situation to really walk away from, but we got bought out by an investor. And in one day they let go of all the remote people. I had never even met the new, you know, the new owners just got a call and they're like, you know, effective immediately. So that day I typed up an email and sent it to every single person in my contact list. And Lisa Warren called me and she said, Oh, I sit on empowers board with someone who, she works at St. Vincent's and she's, she's hiring. If I had read the job description, I never would have applied. <laughs> I would have said, I'm not, I don't, I don't have those. I don't, I'm not qualified to do that. But, you know, I was desperate and I uh, said, okay, let me, you know, let me apply. And Ryan Hankins was at Empower at the time. And so he put in a call to my now boss um, and Lisa Warren called and another good friend who used to, be a member, um, Allison Deering. They had all called her, and so when I walked into the to the interview, um, well, it was easy to get the interview. I'll just say that. So, <laughs> I guess I had to do a little something after that, but um, so I'm I'm very grateful to them. I, it felt very um, destined to you know to be here. So now, uh, how does the foundation support the work of the hospital? How does that? Um, you know, what areas or how does that work? In many, many ways. So we're a nonprofit um, health system. And um, so that means that we don't turn anyone away. Anyone gets care here. Um, so that means that, you know, there's quite a bit of charitable care being being provided. Um, so there's, there's that. There's patient assistance programs that we raise money for. Um, you know, we pay for transportation for people to get to and from chemo treatments. We pay for, um, you know, all kinds of things like that. We have a program called Dispensary of Hope that helps um, people without insurance or, or low insurance um, pay for their medications. Um, we I do our associate giving campaign. So that's, what, that's our employee giving campaign and we raise money. Um, some people give back to the 
to the facility fund. So that money goes to help buy, you know, uh, equipment and pay for training and technology and things like that. But the biggest thing is that it goes to a fund that um, is helps to support our own employees when they're going through some sort of tragedy or hardship. And again, over the last year, um, those numbers have increased tremendously, but our associates have been so very generous giving to that fund in the past that we've been able to, to help, you know, compensate our own fellow co-workers who have just been going through really unspeakable um, hardships over, over the last year. St. Vincent's is spread out over um, five different campuses and, uh, you know, those in five counties. And so we, um, we have five, like, just over 5,000 employees. So it's, um, that's, that is the biggest chunk of, of what I do, but we also hold events and we write lots of grants. We have lots of partnerships in the community. Um, so we're, we're plugged in, um, a, a lot of different, a lot of different ways. So we support our patients as well as our, as well as our, um, our own employees. Yeah. Uh, you know, at least for me being, you know, not involved in the medical community directly, think of uh, patient care, doctors, nurses, support staff, but clearly based on your work in the foundation and what, as we've discovered in the last year, there's so much more that goes into um, what happens in a hospital besides just the medical personnel and the support staff. It's just, um, like you say, so many different areas uh, that require uh administration and support and and care in a in a crisis oh my goodness i mean the people that that clean the rooms and the people that um equip the rooms and and make sure that they you know you have to have a certain kind of room for a a covid patient with the the way that the air is you know is circulated in that room to protect not just the patient but but all of the staff as well Mm -hmm. um and so you know those rooms didn't you didn't have that many rooms, you know, as, that you needed when the numbers started surging. So, I mean, the teams of people and, and the creativity and the way that they've been able to step up is, and the hours that they put in, like I said, it, it really is, it, it's, it's humbling. It's mm. humbling. Well, that, that's um, just so interesting. And I appreciate you sort of giving some insight into your yeah. work and how it relates to the hospital as a whole. Thank you. Um, well, you know what's coming, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I've concluded all of these podcast uh, conversations with a question based on the second half of John ten ten, where Jesus says, "I have come that they may have life and have it to the full." So, Jennifer, I'm curious, what's bringing you life these days? Well, I am somebody who loves the project, and I will say that, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, when we found ourselves with more time on our hands than we knew what to do with. And, you know, children's camps got canceled and vacations got canceled. And so we had a little money too that we wouldn't normally have had. And so um, we got to do lots of projects around the house. Shane Shane does all the, you know, labor intensive parts. He's quite, quite handy. And then I get to step in at the end and organize it or make it pretty. And so I really um, love that. So we've, we've done a number of things. The biggest one was our um, basement. We had a finished basement, but it was just not a real pleasant room, not a pleasant place to be in. And so um, he built out a whole 
wall there and we furnished it nicely and it's just it's ready to be the teen hangout space one day when teens can hang out together um so if we if we ever get the bathroom put down there i think finn will just move in we we put his xbox down there and so that's that's where he can be found most of the time (laughs) so that was great fun to me um and it just gave me something you know when, when you're in your house all the time you kind of want to make your house as nice as it can, you know, as nice of a place as it can be. Um, And then the other thing is just, it's like this podcast. It's just these creative ways that people have found to promote connection and fellowship. So I have loved listening to these. Um, I've loved listening to the people that I, that I already know. And it's just so great to hear their voices. And then I've heard from people who I've not met and I can't wait to, to, you know, get to introduce myself to them and say, Oh, I know all about you. Um, so that's been fun. The sunset yoga. I know Karen was doing that with Beth. I can't wait till that picks up again when the weather is a little nicer. I did several book studies, um, where we met outside at the church, just in a small group. And those were really meaningful. And even at work, we've had to rethink events and come up with virtual events. And we've added some things that we've never done before that People are like, oh, that was great. Like we did a Mother's Day um, brunch that we delivered to people's houses so people could order them for their, you know, because you can't take your mom out on Mother's Day, which is always the biggest restaurant day of the year, supposedly. And so we had a whole um, brunch package and the money, you know, um, the profit from that went to the foundation and and COVID relief. Um, So just those kinds of things have really inspired me, just the ways that people have come up with um, and if we've even done something in our neighborhood at the beginning of quarantine when it was hardcore quarantine and you weren't really leaving at all. We started meeting weekly and we'd all just kind of pull chairs to the ends of our driveway or spread out blankets in our yards and kind of shout across the street at each other. And um, then we finally started gathering in, in one of my neighbor's backyards who has a really nice backyard. And then we started ordering food. And so we'd call, we'd decide what restaurant we'd call and we'd tell them it was part of the same order and then tell them what time to deliver and which house to deliver it to. Um, And that was great fun. I mean, before we kind of just, we'd see a neighbor when we'd see a neighbor, but this was a real concerted effort to get together and, you know, and build community. So um, it's something I hope we continue doing. I do think it will be interesting to see, you know, say 12, 18 months from now when, hopefully things are back to some semblance of normalcy and we look back and like the mother's day brunch kit or, you know, whatever these things, these, these sort of creative things that, that came out of um, being quarantined or you know, having to rethink so many different things and what will stick and what will, you know, continue to be a way or your neighborhood gathering right. that will stick and be a, a way that, and people will look back and think, how did we not do that before? Exactly. Exactly. Addie has been, I don't know that she's doing it now, but she was journaling every day during the beginning, even when it was such a boring day and she had nothing, you know, that's exactly what she would write. Like I did nothing today, (laughs) Um, but she wants to be able to, you know, she knows that this is a time that her children will ask her about, you know, hey, mom, did, weren't you, you know, weren't you a, a kid during that time? And so she wants to really be able to go back and access exactly what it felt like. And I've, I've really encouraged her in that. Um, cause I do think this is one of those defining moments, you know, like 
9-11 was. And like, I mean, they're, they're, we, we get anxious when we see someone on a movie or a TV show in a big crowd. We're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> there's no mask. Look how close everyone is together. Um, but I hope we don't always feel that way. I know after 9-11, every single time I heard a plane fly over our backyard, you know, we'd be out pushing the kids on the swing or something. I would panic. Yeah. But I don't, but I don't feel that way now. So I, I look forward to the day when, you know, I can be in a crowd and not, not be anxious or not be worried. But um, it is important to remember, yeah. to remember that. Well, and I, that, first of all, that's great of Addie to sort of be thinking um, in those terms about how, uh, what this time is like sort of in this grand scheme of things that it is, it is that time that her kids and grandkids will ask her about. Uh, and yeah. I, I don't mean to diminish the idea of PTSD uh, because I know that that's very serious, but I do think there's an element of that for us uh, as we are looking toward an end of this pandemic. And like you say, watching a movie or TV show and they're like, Oh my gosh, they're hugging. They don't know each other. They don't know where each other's been. You know, they don't have a mask on all that sort of stuff. And um, I do think there is, there is an element of that where we're going to have to sort of um, uh, retrain ourselves to, uh, to get back into regular social interaction. Like it, like it used to be. It's funny that you say PTSD, because I really do feel like for our, our frontline health care work, healthcare workers, that really is what they, they have seen, you know, death in ways that you only see if you go to war. I mean, it's, and they've just not been able to take the time that you would need to grieve and process all of that because they have to get up and come back and do that job the next day and the next day and the next day. So um, whenever people ask me what, you know, what's needed, I'm like, just honestly, it sounds trite, but just please, please pray for these, these heroic, you know, efforts of, of all of those frontline workers, because it, it is very real. And you're right, one day they really will have to, you know, there will finally come a time. We've, we've, our chaplains do a wonderful job here, but then the chaplains themselves need, need support, you know, <laughs> um, because they're, they're seeing it all too. And they're, they're just right there. And for you to be involved in supporting them through your work as well is so important. That is, that is our goal. Yeah. yeah. They asked for a, a space um, where they could just disconnect even for, you know, five, 10, 15 minutes. And so we, we um, raised money to put in these rejuvenation rooms with these comfortable massage chairs and soothing music and aromatherapy and they can sign up for, you know, a 15 minute slide. It's all wiped down and cleaned, you know, in between. But um, that's something they told us they they wanted and they needed. They told us they love to wear T-shirts. So we we bought T-shirts for all of our, all of, uh, you know, the nursing staff. So uh, whenever they tell us something specifically, we we want to try to make that mm-hmm. happen for them. And so, like I said, it really is a, it's a pleasure and a, a privilege to get to to support this, the work that happens here. Well, Jennifer, I so appreciate this conversation and getting to know about um, a little bit more about your family and your work. And um, so thank you for, for taking time out to do this today. Well, the pleasure has been all mine, Marty. Thank you so much. All righty. Talk to you later. Okay. Bye-bye.
It's easy to find new episodes of this podcast if you subscribe. Today's episode concludes with, Were you there when they crucified my Lord? 